Welcome to the Revelation Project Podcast. I'm Monica Rogers, and this podcast is intended to disrupt the trance of unworthiness and to guide women to remember and reveal the truth of who we are. We say that life is a revelation project, and what gets revealed gets healed. Welcome to another episode of the Revelation Project Podcast. Have you ever met a woman who is so at ease in her own skin, so plugged in to her own sensuality, that when she walks into the room, you feel a bit giddy and intoxicated just by being in her presence? This isn't about being pretty or beautiful on the outside, but about tapping into your radiance and feminine intelligence from the inside. It's about gaining emotional mastery, tapping into your erotic birthright, and learning to listen and trust your body and your intuition, such as the power and presence of Stephanie Redlener. Stephanie is the founder of Lioness, a coaching consultancy dedicated to helping powerful women lead and live from a place of pleasure, power, and purpose. As a leadership and sexuality coach, she empowers women to awaken that seductive magnetic place inside themselves so that they can lead their business and lives from a place of inner strength and ease. Stephanie has a unique ability to flex between feminine flow and concrete masculine structures. She gives women permission to remove their armor and explore the more sensitive, sensual, and intuitive parts of themselves, while also taking daring action toward their desires. Ladies, you may want to sit near a fan or find a cool place to relax and tune in. Consider yourself warned. Hi, Steph. Hi. What an intro. <laughs> I feel I'm fanning myself. I'm like, who, who, who is, is this woman? <gasps> who is this woman? Oh, my God. I know. I'm. I, well, you know, and I would say I would call bullshit on that because I think you know that about yourself. Yeah. 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 Thank you. It's true, right? Thank you. It's so true. <laughs> and boy, how long it has taken to get here. Yeah, well, we can start right there. What's the journey been to here? Yeah, I think for me, you know, if anyone had looked at my life uh, on the outside, they would have been like, oh, she has it all together. And for so long, I kept this story up. You know, I had a good relationship. I had a good job. I was making good money. I was pretty. I was just, you know, I really sort of had this external life down pat. And a lot of that was true for me. Um, but what was really going on, there was an internal world and an internal part of me that I didn't let anyone see, let alone myself. One that felt shame, that felt like I was not enough, that felt like that was sad, that felt ugly. It was just a very dissatisfied, um, unloving, critis- you know, constantly criticizing myself, constantly feeling I was enough. And I just had this inside that tore me up. And it was very unsettling. And I hit a point where I was like, my insides don't match my outsides and I can't live this lie up. And so I've been on this journey of self-discovery, of self-acceptance, of self-celebration to really honor these parts, not to get to a place where I'm happy all the time, but to really look into a deeper level of myself. Well, and I love that you're talking about self-discovery, self-expression, self-celebration. You were talking about this 
you know, these themes that are so, so very common to so many women, you know, this shame, the not enough, the self-criticism. And yet the work that I feel like you're doing is so tapped into your own sensuality. And that's part of what makes it really different for me, because that to me, from my perspective and my vantage point, feels like the hardest leap for women to make. Yes, of coming back into their body. And, you know, I just want to talk about sensuality for a minute. And, you know, it's easy to be like sexy, sensuality equals sexy. And while it is that, it is much more of an inner landscape and an inner coming home to your body. Um, sometimes sensuality means being aware of your emotional body, knowing that I have grief living in my body. How do I let that grief express itself? And in that pure acceptance is where sensuality can rise. So it's not just about being sexy, right? It's about knowing the nuances of your body and allowing your body to. Yeah. You know, I was thinking, you know, as you were just saying that this, what comes up in me is this whole idea of, you know, we think about sensuality, like you were saying, and we equate it to sexy. But when you think about one of the birthrights that women have is we are so uniquely designed to intuit the world through our senses. Yeah. And those translate, those are like neuroreceptors that like are all, I mean, I don't know what the neurobiology is, you probably do of like, you know, women's nervous system. But I do know that there's something specifically different about how women are wired versus men. And I want to say that part of that gift is our ability to feel so deeply. And yet it's exactly the opposite of what we've been kind of conditioned to do. We've been conditioned to see those emotions and that ability as weak or as crazy, (laughs) scary. Uh, What else? Yeah. I mean, like, think about the workplace. We don't want to be a bitch. We don't want to be too emotional. We don't want to be too sensitive. There's like two, 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 you know, put it in any word. And so what we're doing is we're actually cutting off our wisdom. Um, I believe that women carry a unique feminine intelligence that we haven't had access to. We have it within, but we haven't been able to trust it, you know, in our very mentally conscious, constructed society, we've learned to trust our mind. And anything beyond that feels like uncharted territory. Well, and and Steph, you're so great with vulnerability. I'm curious about what, like, what was kind of that, I always think about the gaps between where we were and where we are now. And so there was, there. For, I'm making up that there was something distinctly different about your bridge into this territory. And I'm wondering, what was that journey? And what were those signposts along the way that brought you more into this conversation and embodiment of this feminine intelligence? Like who were some of those? I don't know if there were people that showed up books, like signs, like what was it for you? Yeah, so I I want to answer this in two ways. Part of my journey um, was when I was reclaiming these parts of me was I grew up in white 
privileged Jewish, well-off, humanitarian parents, humanitarian families. And like, I was uh, supposed to be grateful. You know, I lived a life where it was like, you should be grateful for what you have and you should be grateful for what you have. So in that message of gratitude, I really felt like my feelings didn't matter. I felt like that if I was sad, who am I to be sad when there are people suffering or when people have it worse? So even in this positive message of, you know, the world, we should care about the world and we should be grateful for what we have, which is super important. I picked up a signal along the way that your feelings aren't important because there are people that have it worse off. Mm. And I think that so many of us can relate. And I meet so many women who, who don't feel like they should, right? We are this like culture of overgiving. Well, they have it worse. I should take care of them first. I'm okay. I'm okay. And we take ourselves out of the picture and we want to take care of the world or our family or our team or our this, right? And so we don't put ourselves in the equation. And so I think re- like coming home to I matter, Mm. and my feelings matter just as much and we all bleed red and we all can feel sad and we all feel angry right like really accepting that was a really pivotal aha moment in my own journey Mm -hmm. I have uh, one of my biggest teachers is Mama Gina um, who I work with now and she and I she was very instrumental in this self-celebration you know if for I'm sure many of your listeners do know her, but for those of her who don't, she's a, you know, she runs a school called School of Womanly Arts. And um, she is just an outrageous motherfucker in the best <laughs> of ways. She does not. She is. I love her. She is bold. She's outrageous. She celebrates every single part of your being. She, when I saw her, the very first time I saw her on stage, it was like, oh, oh yes. my God. Oh my God. Yes. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. You can be angry. You can be powerful. You can be barefoot. You can be this. And it was like permission to be all of you. Mm -hmm. And so it was a very big aha moment in my own journey of like, oh, the world wants that, not a like half version of it. Well, I love, I love what you're talking about because I literally just posted this morning on Instagram and it was, uh, be full of yourself. And, and it's this idea, right. That, you know, like we, we were taught kind of this, like, just opposite, right? Like be selfless, like give, give, give. And what I came like similar to you to realize was that that was backwards. It's like we have this natural, I think, again, I'm asserting uh, that women have this natural instinct to nurture and care for and give, but we cannot do that from a place of endless resources unless we're taking care of ourselves first. I mean, words to my heart, right? It's like, we cannot lead from depletion. We cannot lead from a place of, I have nothing left to give. Think about when somebody, when a cup is full and overflowing versus empty, Think about the difference in what that give looks like. Yet we sort of somewhere along the way, it's like, oh, we have to give uh, give it all and then we can tend to ourselves. But if we fill ourselves up first 
and we are feeling so full. It is our natural tendency as women to think about others. Mm-hmm. So by nature, when we are full and when we are high, we bring others along. Yeah, we sure do. And this bridges into you met Mama Gina. You've been working with Mama Gina. And one of the big pieces that you really went toward and embraced and now embody is this erotic intelligence. And I wondered if you could talk about that. My favorite topic. Um, (laughs) I know. Yes. Yeah. Erotic intelligence, you know, and this is along the lines of my belief around this feminine intelligence reawakening that um, coming back home to our desires, coming back home, getting clarity on what we want, being able to be in our feminine body. um, Really, it comes down to so many women, if you ask them, so what do you want, right? It's the hardest question, one of the hardest questions in the the world. And if we don't get crystal clear on what we want, what turns us on, and I don't mean just, again, I don't just mean to turning us on in sexually, what turns us on in life and how do we go after that? We are missing a whole part of our being. And so coming back to our desires is one of the fundamental fundamental paths of women today is owning and claiming them. Yeah. And what I'm, what I'm hearing is that desire is actually almost like the plug into that. Like, how do you find define erotic? I mean, is get really clear on your getting really clear on your desires Yeah, is knowing your own body. What turns you on? What turns you off? Yeah, is um, allowing yourself um, to be in pleasure. <laughs> I mean, this is a whole other topic, right? Like pleasure. We we kind of have this thing. We think in our society that we are this like pleasure filled society, right? That is like constantly uh, searching for pleasure. When in fact, we come from a much more puritanical, you know, Puritan background where we don't we deny pleasure. So it's it actually, so true. Yeah. It's hard. It's hard. Pleasure, you know, quick hits. We're in this like quick hit society of like pleasure. Let me go. But it's actually a lot of what we seek um, to fill us. And this is where like drinking comes in or smoking, right? Like we, we seek these quick hits of pleasure, but actually it's numbing us out. Yeah. Like it's not sustainable. It's not actually tapping in. Like it reminds me of like the saccharin, right? Or like the, it's like the false sweetener. Exactly. And what's, and back to kind of this, I mean, we're in the, I think realm and in the bigger conversation of women's empowerment and women reclaiming their power. And part of that power is about actually, and back to neurobiology, this, this is how we're wired. We're actually, as women, we're wired for pleasure. And yet it's the first place that we're taught to deny ourselves. Yeah. And as Mama Gina so brilliantly says, we have 8,000 nerve endings on our clitoris that are designed for pleasure. We have a body part that is its sole responsibility is to bring us pleasure, yet it is what we deny. Yeah. And there's something that comes up for me as soon as you say that about, you know, the clitoris, it's like, ooh, you know, and there then we have these issues in our world, like gender, like mutilation, 
uh, where women literally, there's a, a long history of women's clitorises being removed. I mean, I just thought of that instantly when you said that. And I was like, oh my God, you know, like men taking away our power. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, literally equating that to our power. It's dangerous for women to be in their pleasure. Yeah. Talk more about that. Yeah. I I mean, if you just, you know, it's kind of coming to me now too, right? Of like, we were, if you think about the witches and the women of our time, right? Women of centuries ago. And it was like all of that stuff that felt that was not in the mental realm was scary, was cut off from our society. And so we like being a woman in her full pleasure is uncontrollable, Mm. is wild. (laughs) is tapping into a realm, you know, is primal. So, and hence the name Lioness Coaching. Like there's that, like, tell me about the connection to Lioness for you. Yeah. So um, Lionesses are amazing animals. And um, for me, first of all, the word, like, I don't know about you, but like I say Lioness and I'm like, hmm, tell me more. Like it just makes me feel sexy and empowered, that word. Yeah. And primal, right? And primal. And when you actually look in nature and look at lionesses, they run in prides and they are part of a pack. And there is one male lion and many lionesses. And this is the funniest thing. The uh, lionesses are the ones that kill and they are the ones that nurture and raise raise the babies. And the, the males sleep most of the day you know, quote unquote, protect the pack and there, but the women are really, the women, the females are really responsible for kind of taking care of everything, but not alone. They are in a pack and they are in a pride. And so I just like thought that it is the perfect symbol of where we are going and the kind of women we need, right? Strong and soft. Mm, Yeah. I love nurturing and powerful collective. Like we get to be all of it. We get to be all of it. And it's interesting. I don't know why I'm going here, but um, the other day I was giving, so I, my work, right. I work with both women in the workplace and women leaders and all that. And then I work with women around sensuality, sexuality, eroticism, and all of that. So I really straddle both of these words. I straddle. (laughs) Uh, Yes, you do. The other day, I was giving a talk on leadership and the person who organized it and gave a beautiful introduction to me and uh, for me. And he then um, said, and Stephanie is here to talk to you about the soft skills of leadership. <laughs> and I was like, exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what I did. And I was like, thank you very much for setting me up perfectly because I want to talk about uh, these skills that you call soft, therein lies the problem. Yeah. Right. Is that because I was doing a talk on things like honesty and vulnerability and compassion as critical leadership skills of the future. Which are so anything but soft. Exactly. Like, right? It, it, they're strong. They're courageous. They're uh-huh. badass, you know, like qualities to... Wow. Yeah. Totally. And you look at, you know, you look at the the leaders that are rising today in today's global environment, the pandemic, and who are the people that happen to be a lot of women, not just women, they're definitely men, but are, are why are they rising? Because they're, they're exhibiting these qualities of 
clarity and decision-making, decisiveness, but honesty and transparency and compassion and empowerment, humanity, like all of these other skills that people are believing in them and trusting them. And so they are fundamental, not soft, not extra, not like a feel-good thing. And I think there's so much stigma around this still. And you bring up such a such an interesting subject for me right now because as an entrepreneur and as someone who also helps right like there's my work in the revelation project with women and then there's my corporate consultant work in the realm of digital media and one of the things that's true is i have been working with some very powerful women-led organizations, and they're right now very much in a conversation that you are holding, which is this idea of what does it look like to bring both the feminine flow into business as well as this concrete goal-oriented masculine structures or containers. Like It's kind of like we're starting to figure out that we need both, that we that the world needs both. And we're really, I think, finding ourselves challenged having come from this habitual way of operating in the world to really figure out how to integrate those two. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's, you know, it's such a fascinating topic that has so many layers of it, layers of conditioning, and it gets kind of melded in this man-woman conversation, which I don't think necessarily is the right uh, no, it, it's important, but it's not what we're talking about, right? We are talking about some of these other qualities that are feminine and masculine that both men and women have and possess inside. And we have just valued in our culture for many, many years, right? For, for centuries, really, this more masculine way of being concrete, structured, get it done, work harder, very, you know, like this way. And this is how we've been taught what success looks like in the workplace too. So bringing in other qualities that are around feminine flow, that are around transparency and honesty and vulnerability and compassionate. How do we do that? And I really believe that we need both. It's not women need to run the world. It's not men, you know, like, like this is not about a either or. This is how do we bring these qualities and integrate them? And I believe you need the masculine structure to create flow, to create safety, to let people relax. Again, if you look at the leaders today that are being very effective, It's the ones that are being clear and decisive. Let's say these are quote unquote more masculine qualities and also compassionate, showing humanity and empathy and more, which are more feminine type qualities. And these, this is why people are trusting them. So it is, how do you create structures that allow for flow? You know, you were just making me think this is so fascinating because I'm sitting here thinking like, I'm, I'm thinking of Obama. And I'm thinking about like just in this moment as you're talking, one of the things that I think was so attractive about Obama and his, he had a really great sense of both of those energies. Totally. He really did. He really did. Like he was so inclusive. He was so nurturing. He was so just, 
you know, he had the goals, the the skill set. He was really kind of really an amazing model as it really because I was thinking like God and men, right? Men are suffering too from too much of this kind of masculine it's not even like it's not even healthy masculine energy it's it's become very distorted but the idea here is that when i think and my husband is one of these people he is so balanced in both his masculine and his feminine and it's such a beautiful thing and women and men alike are constantly like i don't know where he comes from right but it's like he I think that we could all stand to really focus on understanding and unpacking what these energies are, what they represent and how they can serve. Absolutely, and I just love that frame and I and coming back to women, I see women as role models. Mm-hmm. Role models of this work that everyone can benefit that our families can benefit when we can get it in ourselves and we can learn compassion within ourselves. Going back to my story that I know so many women suffer of this like inner world of self-hate and criticism and disapproval. When we can learn to bring compassion and empathy to our own selves and then each other, we can bring it to the world. And this is the work right now, you know, I think is for for all of us, for all of our listeners is to really, and you guys know, you know, this is something that (laughs) I feel like it comes up on every single podcast, this work of, of embodiment about, you know, doing the inner work of really self-love of like that to me feels like the key. And there are multiple access points, but one thing, Steph, that I also love that you're really the voice of is that it gets to be messy. And when you think about sensuality, you know, and you even think about the primal, that shit gets to be really messy and like juicy. And there's nothing about kind of like all of the things in that realm that are, it's just, it's that human, you know, way of really kind of getting in the mess of it that is where I feel like we get kind of our biggest insights, our biggest revelations, our most powerful growth moments. And yeah, and and just daring to kind of like, because none of this, there's also this idea that as women going back to kind of like you had it all handled on the outside. I just feel like the mess is such a great place to play with this stuff. I like, even as you're talking about mess, I have a huge smile on my face. It's like when you say it gets to be messy, like there is an an instantaneous relief and relaxation that happens in my body. Yeah, me too. Like I'm like, ugh. I don't have to get it right the first time. I don't, I can try it. I can touch it. Like I can touch these uncomfortable places and I, I don't have to say the perfect word. I don't have to this, right? Like it gets to be imperfect. It gets to be messy. And like, it feels so freeing just to hear that. And I know it's something I talk about a lot, but to hear it, like, it's like, oh, I just can relax. Yeah. Because, you know, in that kind of mess is where we go back to like everything gets to belong again. And we get to have all of our emotions, all of our sensations, all of our ideas, all of our desires, all of our discomfort. And it's okay. Like it all gets to belong in this conversation as we all find our way. You know, it's the 
messy, feminine, sensual, emotional beingness place where we can hear our intuition, where we can hear the sacred voice that is within all of us, Mm. right? When we are so focused on it being perfect and organized and timely, and that is when we get into our head. But when we come back into our body in this like messy, beautiful, erotic place, and we are in a state of being, it's when our senses awaken and when we can hear beyond words. You know what? I just had this... I was like, wow, I, I I just had a big revelation. And I know you didn't say this, but I kind of heard you say <laughs> this, is that the mess is the closest access point to the divine, right? which is kind of the opposite of how we think about it. Totally. I know. A divine, like I, you know, I used to think that in order to meditate and be, I'm very spiritually inclined, like I'm very connected and drawn um, to the divine and any possible way. And I was like, oh, I'm supposed to be a good girl and I'm supposed to meditate. I need to sit for 20 minutes straight with my back up and not move and there and like be quiet and a perfect, right? Like even my meditating practice used to be this very like structured thing. And only when I started to allow myself moving meditation, I'd keep a notebook with me. So I, if I got ideas, I'd come out, I'd play music and I'd let my body move a more messy, flowy, ritually meditative place. That's when I really started, you know, my connection. Yeah. Well, and, and you're, that's that going back to kind of the voice of and modeling, right? These different ways of accessing. Cause I don't think that there's one way. I think there that we all get to find our way in. Uh, whatever that looks like for each of us gets to be what it is. And I think the more of us that can model this for each other. Yeah. And that's that beautiful thing I think that we're all finding our way with too, where we're kind of like all in this process of unbecoming. Yes. And it's this beautiful process of I, I almost think of like the way that I was taught when I was in art to kind of copy all of the great masters. And then you're supposed to forget everything that you know and kind of alchemize everything and then come back at it with your own interpretation, your own understanding, find your own art within it. And, you know, and I, and I think again, I think of about how art is a very, and creation is a very feminine energy. And so I think we're seeing it come back in all of these areas. And thank, I thank goddess for people like Mama Gina and you and Megan Joe, but all of these women who are really learning from each other, modeling it to each other. Uh, Cause that's, that's what we need right now. And men who are modeling it, modeling, what does it look like for this feminine energy and this masculine energy to integrate together and serve all of us in a much more sustainable way, in a much more loving and inclusive way. And that can then inform our governments, you know, our communities, our families, but it really exactly. does start with each of us. And so what would you say, Steph, you know, in terms of any of our, our 
you know, listeners who, who would be like, yeah, but where do I start? So uh, there's so many places to start. And I just want to say that your um, message of we all get to find our own way is so true. Mm-hmm. And so um, I would say that this, this process, it's not like here's the one step process, right? But really starting to tune in to yourself and starting to just tap into how is my body feeling? What am I needing right now? Where have I been hating on myself? Where have I been telling myself I'm not enough? Where have I been doing compared despair and looking outward and not looking inward? So it really starts from an inner journey of reconnecting, really asking these hard questions that may be uncomfortable and just listening, beginning to listen, beginning to call yourself out. Calling yourself out is one of the most powerful tools that one can I Let me just go on a tangent for a second. The other day, I've been feeling... I've been feeling really um, stressed about a relationship with a very good friend and I've been wanting more connection with her and she hasn't been available and I didn't want to be needy. And I was like going through this whole thing and I was letting it go on and it was really eating me alive. And the other day I was like, I can't, I'm not letting it, it's bothering me and I'm, I'm honoring where I'm at. And I just picked up the phone and I had that really hard, uncomfortable conversation, the conversation where it was like, I want to spend more time with you. And I want you more in my life and I'm okay with how you feel and I'm ready to receive whatever you feel. And it was a very, very difficult conversation. And within that, she shared with how she was feeling and we immediately built our bond more. Mm-hmm. And it was so hard to have this conversation and I was so scared and I convinced myself a million ways to why I didn't want to have it. I did it anyway. Mm-hmm. And so coming back to saying those scary things that have been on your heart and been on your mind is one of the most freeing things you can do. So for your listeners, for all of you out there, find someone you trust. Find someone you feel comfortable with sharing what's on your heart's mind. Yeah. I love how uh, you said heart's mind. Yeah. Because that, I think it's <laughs> it starts there, right? That's where we have to really speak from. Yeah. Another thing is also really starting to tune into your emotional body. It is the thing we run from. I don't want to feel anxious. Oh, and then I'm mad that I feel anxious. I wake up. I've certainly been waking up very anxious these days. And I don't want to feel it because I have a lot of shit to do. So if we don't acknowledge our emotional body, whether it's grief or we're feeling angry or anxious or afraid, if we don't acknowledge it, it will run our day, if not our lives. And so finding ways to outlet that emotion. So sometimes if I, let's say I wake up and I feel really anxious because I'm like, what does the future hold or whatever it is? I actually will like, okay, I'm feeling, first of all, I'll say I'm feeling anxious and then I'll let that anxiety speak in my body. And so sometimes that's through shaking or sometimes I scream into a pillow or sometimes it's like, and I really find ways to let it out Mm. and acknowledge it. Cause if we don't, it will literally chase us around. So finding ways to release and acknowledge your emotional body so that it doesn't overpower us, that we are in our power and in relationship. And then pleasure. Pleasure, my favorite topic. Pleasure, Um, pleasure, pleasure. Pleasure, celebration, you know, really coming back to having fun, to celebrating. You know, there are more like pleasure specific specific tools and practices you can do from self-pleasure, from tuning into your sensual pleasures, 
eating slowly, like sensual eating is a very fun activity, right? Really tuning in to what you love. Uh, dance breaks, having dance breaks and celebrating just because. I highly recommend for anyone going into a stressful meeting or a meeting they want to rock the shit out of, have a dance break before. Just do it. Yeah. Even if you don't feel like it, do it. And that energy and that will help soothe and activate your energy from a very different place. It sure will. Again, for our listeners, I, I had the opportunity of working with staff um, through Megan Joe Wilson's Rockstar Camp. And one of the really powerful exercises that we did as a cohort of women who were going through this leadership uh, work was stuff. I don't, what do you call it? It was the emotional tour. Femme. Yeah. That was fem started by a woman, Bernadette Pleasant. Okay, talk talk about that because that was extraordinary. Yeah, it's an amazing body of work and it's really about expressing emotions. And what we do is we go on an emotional tour of joy and anger and grief and confidence and lust and really tuning into these emotions and giving them play, a place to breathe. And one of the beautiful things around this modality is it's called an emotional tour. And the reason is, is we don't stop at any emotion. We keep moving. And this is another amazing thing about women and our capacity. I mean, let's not, like we literally can, you know, give birth and, and push humans out of our bodies. And so it is like we can hold grief and joy at the same time. Oh, I just got chills. Yes, we can. Yes. We can be confident and sad. We can be anger. Anger is actually very powerful. We can feel powerful, angry and powerful in a way that pushes us forward. That doesn't let our anger come out and lead us, right? But that pushes us forward. So part of the thing around the tour is about celebrating and honoring these emotions in our body so that they live with us not over us. Mm, I'm just kind of letting that sink in. Yeah. It's it's really, it's the hardest thing for us to just relax into whatever is going on for us at any given point versus like, I find myself like that's still my greatest challenge, although I'm so much better at it, but it's like the noticing and then the softening into it, the allowing of it. I know sister. Yeah. It is like, and that is where our freedom lies. It really does. Time and time again, when we go to those edges, when we go, when you're like, when you're, if you're like, I don't want to go there. I don't want to go there. I want to push it aside. That's usually the place where you should go. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It is. Yeah. Let's be honest. Yep. And it's very easy to want to white knuckle, white knuckle our way through. But when we can soften and relax and comfortableness is where our freedom lies. It really, yeah, it really is. So I know you're raising also, uh, you have a three-year-old boy. I have a three-year-old boy and an 11-year-old stepdaughter. Oh, yay. I do. Yeah. And doing all this, well, I have so much to say. Do you have specific questions? Because I could go on and on about that. Well, what, what comes up for you when I say that? Like you're raising a little boy. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever you want to say. I'm raising a little king is what I'm doing. And I am, for me, I made a very, very clear decision when I was pregnant that it would be me first. Mm -hmm. And I know this sounds pretty radical, right? Like I was going to (laughs) put myself first. Yeah. And raise my children because I know 
that my son will be better off. I want my son and my daughter to be able to see what a woman who is full of herself mm. and to know what that's like. And so my son, he learned the word goddess at, at age two. He uh, helps me get dressed when I go to pole dancing. <laughs> he uh, ha- will help me set up uh, a ritual space for women's circles. He is very in tune with the work that I do. And he's aware. So um, I don't want him. I want him to see what it means to be a woman in all her sides. I love that. We talk about, you know, I'm very, we're very uh, strong. We, uh, we find it very important to talk about our feelings in the house. So really honoring his feeling. We try to avoid as much as possible. Go to your room when you're, until you're feeling better. Right? Uh, we really want to encourage them to speak there mind and what's on again what's on their heart's mind and not saying only when you come out and feel better can you come out and do this thing so we really encourage a household of communication even at even gosh and you're pointing to something that of course like we know that but that's how most of us were raised go into your you know go to your room until you can come out and be x <laughs> right? Yeah. Like yeah. we we wonder why we're so like reluctant to be who we are. Yeah, to feel. Oh god my forbid. oh my god. god, we feel. Yeah. Yeah. And you made me think of something that Andrea, you know, who is just a dear 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 friend and of mine is that she taught me something her mother used to say, which was, yes, honey, you first after me. <gasps> wow. Right? Yeah. It just, yeah. it was like, it It was like cognitive dissonance for me. I right. couldn't, I didn't right. know what that meant. Like she would, I just was like, wait, what? What would she say? Yeah. And she was like, she'd say, yes, honey, you first after me <sighs> to the kids. So it was like, yes, honey, of course you're first, but after me. Right. Oh my God. The brilliance, right? The brilliance, the brilliance, the brilliance. My brain is still wrapping around that. Well, I know. So, and now that it, now I've embodied that. And that's that also that piece about embodiment is like, it doesn't come right away. It's like when we can start to embody some of these principles and practice them, like Steph, one of the things that we know to be true is that one of the reasons that we amplify the work of bragging with women isn't because we're trying to be seen or heard. It's more about celebration of all of the things we get to claim as true, which is how we started this out, right? It's like the great introduction. Then you're like, yes, thank you. It's true. It's like the ownership and back to kind of like the you first after me, it's yeah. it's this idea that it all gets to belong. I can celebrate myself and be wildly in service of others all at the same time. Yes, yes, exactly. And I get to be all of it. And that is the biggest gift we can give ourselves. It really is. Well, I just want to honor you and acknowledge you And thank you for continuing to bring this conversation to the world in all of the ways that I know that you do. 
And just because I'm so lucky, I feel so lucky that I get to know you in this deeper way. And I'm honored to have had you on the podcast. Thank you so much. And I feel exactly the same way. And it's such a gift to me to be able to share this space with you. And you're such a fucking badass. (laughs) Thank you. Well, we and we're going to make sure that uh, for all of you who are listening, I'll have Steph's links, you know, so you can seek her out and check her out more. And if you're like me, you'll also have a little private obsession. And I'll leave that to, to you all, but more to be revealed. We hope you enjoyed this episode. For more information, please visit us at jointherevelation.com and be sure to download our free gift, subscribe to our mailing list, or leave us a review on iTunes. We thank you for your generous listening. And as always, more to be revealed.